Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Sarah Yacoub with the Monaco Brewing Company Super Pack is on the Mississippi River. And up on Lake Monaco is Kirk Bangstead of the Monaco Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die happy? Happy. Welcome to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead. I'm Sarah Yacoub. And I'm Pat Kreitlow. On the show this week, uh, well... I mean, normally this is where I say what is on the show this week, but um, look, Kirk, you're you're the one who is all about stirring up good trouble, and you have you're not just stirring up good trouble. You you are stirring the pot with a wooden spoon, uh, you know, the size of a shovel. And since since this is your wooden spoon this week, why don't uh, why don't you tell the folks what we're getting into tonight? All right, so this show, uh, for the next probably 40 minutes or so, is going to have my two lawyers, um, uh, Joe, Joe Good and Mark Leitner from Laffey, Leitner & Good, talking about uh, our lawsuit uh, against uh, Senator Ron Johnson, uh, Congressman Tom Tiffany, and Congress, uh, Congressman Scott Fitzgerald, uh, accusing them of uh, aiding the insurrection of January 6th and being a conspiracy to a presidential coup. And uh, because of that, they were alleging that they broke the 14th Amendment to the US Constitution and should be removed from, uh, they can't run for office again, according to the 14th Amendment. So- But, but wait, but wait, say people who, who watch news headlines, but wait, I thought the Madison Cawthorn case had been thrown out and was a settled matter. <laughs> it is not uh, that it was thrown out, but the case is so different from the one that we filed. Um, and we're going to talk about that in the third segment. So people should stay tuned. But it's so different th- from the one we filed, other than the fact that it was trying to use the 14th Amendment to get Madison Cawthorn uh, off of the ballot. And Madison Cawthorn, by the way, actually let some of these insurrectionists gave them tours in the uh, Capitol building the day before the insurrection. So the dude's a bad dude. It's, it's pretty obvious what he did, but uh, they, they, uh, that, that case got dismissed and we'll talk about why well, that shouldn't happen. And, and think about why, why, he, why it was. He, he relied on an 1872 amnesty law that provided amnesty to Confederates. So, by, you know, I'm not a lawyer, Sarah, but by virtue of his claiming the 1872 amnesty law, he's essentially admitting to being an insurrectionist, to being a Confederate, needing the amnesty of that law, which was perversely applied by the judge. Again, we'll get into that later. But I mean, Sarah, if you were my attorney, you'd take, you'd cash my check and tell me I'm right, right? Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, just from a common sense standpoint, if you are playing the Confederate uh, soldier, the Confederate politician card, you're losing. And uh, this is not a good thing. <laughs> so we were going to talk. So that's the, yes, uh, that was dismissed because a, a Trump appointed judge uh, said that, uh, that, you know, this act of that, that gave amnesty to Confederate officers and Confederate politicians somehow superseded a 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. And they, they argued that as a Trump-appointed judge, it was completely biased. Uh, we'll talk about that more because we got really, we got real lawyers, really good lawyers. Sarah's a lawyer too, but uh, but these guys have been digging into this stuff uh, for the last month. So we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into all that stuff real quick. 
and, and it really is coming down to, and again, we've, we've been discussing uh, kind of the parlor games of, you know, why hasn't state attorney general Josh Call done something with this? You know, why, why haven't all kinds of other people, why does it take 10 people and the super pack of a brewery, you know, in the Northwoods to be, well, get this done? But, you know, so we're going to, we're going to get into that as well, because basically the, the, the short answer uh, take away any legalities that that uh, Josh Call and others are working with. The short answer is Kirk is not a patient man. Uh, no, the Kirk- short answer is I I felt the need to step into the gap left by a lack of leadership in both what I'm seeing at the national level and at the Wisconsin level. I don't want to step into the gap, but I think it, it had to happen now if the 14th Amendment is going to make any sense and we can actually get these guys off of the ballots in 2022. Okay. And there And there is still time for that though it is it's it's running quickly and like so many other things uh about january 6th and the investigation uh again a lot of our patience is being tried here because we got to get going um when we come back we'll talk to lawyers for this lawsuit joe good and mark leitner and hear what they think of the real conspiracy out there you're up north Uh, Kirk, you've outdone yourself yet again. Um, hey, joining us tonight are Joe Good and Mark Leitner, partners in the firm Laffy Leitner and Good. Uh, Kirk, why don't you start by telling us, you know, in 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 what CD pool hall you found these guys? Because where they found you, and uh, take it from there. All right. So we just ended the last segment, kind of talking about um, why you know the Monaco Brewing Company kind of stepped into this gap of uh, you know of, of legal potential. Uh, lack of leadership uh, from, you know, our government, maybe officials. But so I went and I went I went straight to law forward. I know those guys. Uh, those guys were uh, uh, kind of the, the ones who originated the complaint uh, against the fraudulent electors over a year, a year and two months ago. And so I was like, guys, this is kind of part and parcel of this fraudulent elector bit. And uh, they said they were, uh, you know, they, they said, Kirk, listen, like we're we're litigating gerrymandering right now we're litigating you know the the fraudulent electors drop boxes i mean they're they have their they they were loaded up they couldn't take anymore they don't have the staff and so they put me in touch with these guys and oh they actually put me in touch with you know these guys and a few others and i started calling and you know other lawyers in wisconsin because it's such a small state um they have to deal with corporate, like especially corporate lawyers who are generally the best ones because, you know, you have to deal with huge corporate stuff, which means you get paid a decent amount and you have like you have big issues you have to solve. Um, these guys, a lot, some other lawyers would not take this case on because they're like, well, we might anger Republicans by suing a sitting U.S. senator and two U.S. congressmen. <laughs> which is going to anger a lot of Republicans, <laughs> but these, a lot of these guys, some these guys wouldn't take it on because they were too scared. And so, you know, I called up, I called up Joe and, and, you know, he listened to me, he listened to what I had to say. And, and he thought it was a righteous, a righteous uh, thing to try to do. And regardless of, of whether he has corporate clients that are Republican or not, he wanted to take this case up with Mark and his and his firm, and I really applaud them for that. I mean, they they're sticking their necks out just like just like you know a lot of us are here uh, selling beer <laughs> that's progressive. <laughs> so thank you guys for joining the show tonight. I really appreciate it. You bet. 
All right. So we're happy to be here. Great. So the I want to give it away. I want to just have you guys take the show. So this whole the next 15 minutes, this is the best that any Wisconsinite is going to get. We got two big time lawyers that are filing this suit who who 70 pages these guys wrote about this and they're going to give you the layout of of this what they think what? is the real conspiracy that happened here this is not yeah, a conspiracy let's... theory QAnon style this is like a real live conspiracy right. this is that the happened. ones where where again a lot of the times when republicans accuse people of something it's projection you know they're the ones that are actually doing it so guys let me let me set it up this way to have you answer it um to answer the you know the the basics of the lawsuit but I want to ask it this way. Why did you say yes to this? Why did you say yes to Kirk? Why did you take this on? And that'll lead us into, you know, what, what are the basic arguments of this lawsuit? You sure. know, there's a, uh, there's a, 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 in a, what I think is an apocryphal story uh, that made its way into uh, a, a, a play called The Night Thoreau Spent in Jail. And the story there is that, uh, as, as, as people generally know, Henry David Thoreau, the famous uh, transcendentalist writer from uh, from New England uh, once spent a night in jail because he refused to pay his taxes uh, because they were being used to pay for uh, military and war uh, things. And he stood on principle and then uh, someone came down to uh, the, the, the local government uh, center and paid his taxes. So he was let out of jail. And all that is true and all that is history. Uh, but there is an apocryphal story about how uh, Thoreau, when he was in jail, the night he, he was there, was visited by his mentor, the even more distinguished transcendentalist, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. And uh, Emerson was shocked that Thoreau would do such a thing and that he was, he, he was in jail from you know, a place where common criminals went. And and, and uh, Emerson came in and said, Henry, what are you doing in jail? And Thoreau looked at uh, Emerson and said, Waldo, what are you doing out of jail? There you go. And that's kind of how we looked at it is mm -hmm. how can we not do this? This, this was, uh, you know, the, 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 the violence of January 6th aside, this is one of the more elaborately orchestrated all the way to the top efforts to undermine the way that we do things in the United States. And one of all our hallmarks is we do a peaceful transfer of power and we don't, you know, losers in elections concede and they get ready to hand the reins over to the winners. And that didn't happen here. And uh, uh, Joe Good, who is uh, probably the foremost uh, lawyer in the state of Wisconsin, if not a broader area, at assembling and mastering and distilling incredibly complicated sets of facts into coherent, compelling narratives, is the person who put that 70-page complaint together uh, because we thought this was not only a, 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 a legal necessity, but a moral one. Well, so let's make that transition to Joe then um, in, in talking about the argument and laying out the arguments you made. 
And I'll ask you to be a little bit more local specific because yes, we can get into what, you know, uh, allegedly, you know, President Trump was doing at the time and other people close to him, but I want to make sure we fold in uh, Tiffany and Fitzgerald and Johnson as well. Uh, so sure. keep that in mind, Joe, as you tell us what is, what is the crux of the narrative you're putting together? Sure. So uh, thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Kirk. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate being here tonight. So yeah, um, Mark's 100% right. Um, I'm not as lofty. I, I don't really speak, uh, you know, uh, uh, about uh, stuff that went on in the 1850s like Mark does and uh, his historical lesson there. But there is some, some truth to that approach. The reality is this, okay? Um, we came dangerously close on January 6, 2021, to having a massive constitutional crisis. Okay, we had a sitting president, President Trump, and his many, many, many followers. And I am talking about not just voters. I'm talking about the three defendants in this case, Senator Johnson and Congressman Fitzgerald and Tiffany, engage in an orchestrated and planned uh, attempt to ensure that one thing didn't happen on January 6th, and that was that Joe Biden was not declared and elected president of the United States when the electoral votes were counted. That was the object. That was the plan. That was the goal. It was the goal of the three defendants here, Patrick. It was the goal of President Trump. And it was the goal of many other participants, many of whom are alluded, in, uh, alluded to in our complaint, and many of whom we don't even know, because the complaint makes a specific reference to, in the parlance of lawyer speak and conspiracy law, those known and unknown. The reason you plead that as a lawyer is because conspiracies are typically complex. There are multiple players. And at the end of the day, for us to be successful here, we need to, sh to show one thing. We are asking a federal judge to determine that the conduct of these three gentlemen, who are our legislators in this state, duly elected, engaged or assisted in, a, in an insurrection that culminated on January 6, 2021. What did they do? Okay. Well, Fitzgerald has got a real problem because Fitzgerald sat down and from the time he was the majority leader in the state Senate, he, like President Trump leading up to November 3rd, 2020, spent all kinds of time in the public limelight, basically derailing the integrity of Wisconsin election procedures. Even before, while he was running for Congress, even before he was a sitting member of Congress, he was telling Wisconsin voters, Wisconsin is not running fair elections. And if you look at our complaint, you'll see that President Trump 75 times referred to the Wisconsin election as a rigged election. And Fitzgerald and his partner in crime, Robin Voss, in 2020, kept on hammering that theme about how there was an unfair election going on. The Wisconsin Election Commission wasn't doing it right. Local clerks were taking actions that were designed to undermine that was all part of an orchestrated and, and, plan. And at any time, one thing we need to note about that is yeah. these guys ran the legislature at that time. And at any time, had they wanted to, because they control the majority in both houses, had they wanted to make any changes, had they wanted to reverse anything that the local clerks were doing or that that uh, uh, the Wisconsin Election Commission was doing with the power it had been granted, they had the power to sit down, call, you know, get together as in, in the legislature and pass uh, 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 a special session statute that would have done it. They but never Mark, did it. Mark, you, you forget, these guys were on a beach. They, yeah, they took, they took yeah. a nine-month break, Sarah. 
Absolutely. They can't interrupt their vacation to come to work, Mark. That's just crazy talk. What it really shows is that they didn't have a problem with the way we run elections. No, they did not until and they, until and they the wanted results. they wanted to have it both ways. They yes. wanted to, to be able to say that it's crooked. And then if they win, look how great we are because we won a crooked election. And if they lose, they can do the same kind of, of uh, junk that they wound up doing. Right. And that Joe is going to Joe's going to explain a little more about. Yeah, well, uh, they had, they one had thing pets. that we do have that QAnon doesn't have. That's why there's 70 pages in this complaint. We have facts. Do we ever? So what happened? So they they spend 2020 hedging their bets, right? We know in August of 20 that President Trump uh, puts together a committee, a standing committee on election integrity, puts lawyers from various law firms in this state that I won't uh, name by name, but we'll simply say they put together a group of people, including. Uh, Cleta Mitchell from Foley and Lardner. There, I mentioned mentioned the firm. And uh, uh, John Eastman. John Eastman plays a critical role in this case. He's one of President Trump's lawyers. He was standing on the dais with the president on January 6th at the ellipse in advance of the protesters running up to the Capitol to do all the mischief that they did. And Eastman plays a very critical role in the conspiracy that we're alleging. But here's what happens. They're ready to talk about rigged elections and fraudulent elections, and they spend 2020 seeding it making sure that the public can be morally outraged if President Trump doesn't win the election. So guess what happens? On November 7th, November 3rd, there's, there's ballots cast on November 7th. Joe Biden is declared by the media to be the winner. And of course, the orchestrated movement about, oh, this was a fraud and all these things happen uh, is immediately undertaken. Within days of the election, Fitzgerald and Tiffany and Johnson start trashing what happened in Wisconsin, saying it was unfair. There were all these election procedures that were violated. And part of the orchestrated acts of these folks, including the president and including all the people that are in the line of liability here for what happened, what they did is we'll go file lawsuits. Everyone knows there were more than 60 lawsuits filed regarding the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election, all of which, by the way, were resolved in the state of Wisconsin, at least, by December 14th, 2020, which is the day by law, the presidential electors had to meet in Madison at the Capitol at 12 noon, at high noon, to cast their votes their votes for the winning ticket. So, well, let me let me stop you there, Joe. What yeah. were the result? What was the result of all of those lawsuits in Wisconsin before December 14th? Zip nada. The conclusion of the Wisconsin Supreme Court and the Seventh Circuit, excuse me, not the Seventh Circuit, the Eastern District of Wisconsin, uh, Judge Brett Ludwig, was there were no election procedures. And, that the, went and the Wisconsin Supreme Court has got four conservative judges and three uh, relatively left-leaning judges, right? That's and they've they've let uh, they've let my progressive world down time and time again, and they still ruled that 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 Biden won that election. That's that's correct. That is 100% correct. Within an hour and 20 minutes of the electors being set to meet at the Capitol, they issue this decision. And the most critical fact for purposes of the, of the 10 fraudulent electors, who, by the way, we allege engaged in criminal acts, both under state and federal law, when they met to swear out certifi certification saying that President Trump and Vice President Pence had won the election, okay, they, they knew. They, uh, uh, they went on in, in the public and said, we know what the result is, but we're going to do this anyway. 
That's a problem from our perspective for them. But how do they get into the Capitol? Because both state and federal law required that they actually show up in Wisconsin in the state Capitol at 12 noon on December 14th, 2020. How did they do that when the Capitol was closed because of COVID? Enter defendant Fitzgerald. Remember, at this time is still the majority leader in the Senate on his way to Washington to be a member of Congress come January 3rd. And we have since and more very recently learned that Fitzgerald provided them and the Republican Party of Wisconsin with access to the Capitol. And it was critical to the acts of the conspiracy, to the, to the, to the presence of what they needed to do to be able to create this false slate of electors. And it was critical that the false electors meet, just like the legitimate electors for President Biden and Vice President uh, Harris, uh, it was critical that they met at the Capitol at 12 noon. That is a legal requirement. Somebody had to facilitate that crime. That person was Scott Joe, Fitzgerald. So why did there needed, why was there a needed in this conspiracy that we say is a conspiracy to, to have a presidential coup? Why did, why were fraudulent electors needed uh, to, to achieve the goal of, of bumping Biden? Actually, sure. hold, hold, hold on to that thought, Joe, because we got we to gotta head right up to commercial here. We're going to pick that up where we left off and uh, take just a quick break here when we come back. And we'll then find out if these guys really think they have a shot at winning this or if this lawsuit is about as useful as Don Quixote picking fights with windmills. We'll be back after this. You're up now. <laughs> To let me die. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. I think about it every night and day. Spread my wings and fly away. I believe I can this, uh, this would be again uh, the show that we're going to have someday where Kirk just sings all of the bumper music because he, he truly <laughs> believes. In, in this cause. Welcome back to the cabin. This is the Up North Podcast. I'm Pat Wrightlow along with Kirk Bankstead and Sarah Yacoub. We're back with lawyers Joe Good and Mark Lentner from the firm Milwaukee, excuse me, <laughs> from the Milwaukee firm Laffy, Lettner, and Good. Welcome back. Thanks. All right, guys. So we just spent the last probably 15 minutes kind of laying the groundwork of how Congressman Tiffany Congressman Fitzgerald and uh, U.S. Senator Ron Johnson were part of a conspiracy, uh, a multi-pronged conspiracy, but their role was to sow confusion and doubt amongst the Wisconsin voters. Their role was to confusion and doubt so that when the next bits happened, they would not be horrified by that. And so now we're gonna talk about the next bits so, so Joe, let's go. Sure. So people have to remember, we have an election and there's a popular vote. But what we actually do when we elect a president is we have electoral votes that are counted for each state. Okay. And there's a whole set of procedures, both in the U.S. Constitution and, and federal and state law that govern how that works. Wisconsin's presidential electors met by law on December 14th. We have 10 of them. There were 10 Biden-Harris electors because the Biden-Harris electors are the ones who had been elected by the popular vote in Wisconsin. Which had been certified. Which had been certified by the state, by the elections after a recount from Trump. Bottom line is what these guys tried to do 
our defendants and other people is they created seven states, including Wisconsin, where they came up with false slates of electors that were going to vote for Trump and, and for Pence when the electoral votes were counted on January 6th by President Pence, who had a ministerial role by the Constitution on January 6th to open the box and start reading off the names. When you say ministerial, you mean completely not like anything that's going to make a difference to the world. No authoritative. None. Functional, just no to power do ceremonial, ceremonial, ceremonial. Perfect. Thank Even you, better. Kirk. Okay. So here's what what the schemers thought of: a guy named Chesborough and a guy named Eastman came up with a plan. Seven states, false electors, and there was going to be a contest, allegedly a created contest on January 6th. And the first plan was to have Vice President Pence open up the uh, slates of electors and declare that the uh, seven states where Biden won actually went to Trump. They actually wrote this down and articulated that that was the plan. But then they recognized, well, that, that might get some objections from Democrats, or I think, Kirk, you've used the word, might have caused a civil war or something else. So then the plan was to have Vice President Pence declare all seven states, whether they were the, the good electors, the ones who actually won, or the false electors, we're just going to not count those seven states, which would have meant this. There weren't enough electoral votes for either President Biden or President Trump to become the next president. And in that case, the U.S. Constitution kicks the vote and the actual election of the president to the House of Representatives. And in that instance, under the guise of, of who controlled uh, the delegations in Congress, at that point in time, the election would have gone to President Trump. And the way Wait, that works, Kirk, go ahead. Yeah, because... What's you, you told me this. I'm just like, you know, I'm just regurgitating what you told me. But sure. the reason that goes to Trump is because when it goes to the House of Representatives, every state gets one vote. So that means California, who's got like a gazillion more people than Wisconsin, is now got one vote and Wisconsin's got one vote and all the rural states went for Trump and all the huge populated states went for Biden. And uh, so that means that's why Trump would have won if this was put to the House of Representatives as opposed Precisely. to. And yep, okay. It's another anti-democratic part of the Constitution. Well, it's because the U.S. Senate is the original gerrymander, but yeah, that's that's, for, right. that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> okay, so we know those two things didn't happen. We know, and none of these things happened because let's be let's be clear: they didn't have to complete the conspiracy to be found to be a, a part of a conspiracy or to have trouble related to conspiracy law. So then they had a third plan. Well, we'll take the seven states and we'll throw it back to the state legislatures because like, for example, in Wisconsin, and you hear this even recently, as early as recently as a couple hours ago, uh, people are talking about still trying to decertify, have the legislature decertify the electoral count from Wisconsin. This is two years later. Okay. That was plan three. Thank God. Wait, so plan three, let me just reiterate. So if, if, if Pence throws away both slates of electors, he can say, this was too rigged. Wisconsin's and Nevada and Philadelphia was just too crazy and rigged. We're not gonna count the legal ones. We're not gonna count the fake ones. We're gonna say, state legislatures, you gotta figure it out. Right. And because our state legislature is as corrupt as they get in the United States, they would have handed this thing to Trump. Well, that certainly was the theory. And yeah. let's not forget our three defendants, besides Fitzgerald opening the door to the Capitol, which is an overt act helping these criminals do this. These three guys, the drumbeat from November 6th, November 4th, excuse me, when Biden wins Wisconsin is it was rigged. It was false. It was fraudulent, lacking integrity. 
ballot boxes, this, that, and everything else. Oh, and it and was the, it was worse than that. It was worse than that for Tiffany. And I have to bring this up again because to me, again, this is singularly disqualifying that Tom Tiffany should not have been allowed to, to even take the seat the day he signed on to that Texas lawsuit that sought oh. to have not just uh, you know some some states votes, but Wisconsin's as well to have these votes thrown out when he signed his name to that to say I don't believe my constituents' votes matter. That that to me is is as as close to a conspiracy for insurrection as anything else that's gone on out there. I I had disregard not disregarded, but I I had kind of diminished Fitzgerald renting the room. Now I I appreciate it all that much more. But I don't want Tom Tiffany off the hook by virtue of no, absolutely you know, unconscionable yeah. to disenfranchise the people who voted for him. Wait, right. so so what you're saying though is that is that there was different players. Trump told. Chesbro and Eastman to devise the strategy. The strategy involved fraudulent electors in seven states doing something illegal and Pence ultimately making a crazy illegal move, which was to throw out all these electors. But right. in order for that illegal move to not cause a civil war, you had to confuse the heck out of the voters of these seven states by saying, there's shenanigans, 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 shenanigans over and over and over again. The okay. only way that Pence would have been able to throw away the real electors on December 6th or January 6th was to was was to have that confusion just be be locked in to every one of these states. That's and right. that is the reason why we're suing Johnson, Tiffany and Fitzgerald, because the confusion instilled by them in the voters was a part of the conspiracy. Good, just like right. the fraudulent electors, just like Eastborough and Chesborough, just like Trump, all the way to the top. Can't Kirk, separate any if, of it. Kirk, if we had, if you and Sarah and Pat and Mark and I all decided tonight to go rob a bank, right? You and I might be the guys who go in the bank. Mark drives the getaway car. Sarah has the safe house where we're going. And Patrick does all the planning and three weeks of surveillance of the bank. We are all part of that conspiracy. Sarah, who's a former prosecutor, would say, put you all away and throw you in the clink, even if we were unsuccessful in collecting the cash. Yeah, if the okay, car doesn't start. That we did it. Go ahead, well, Mark. You know, you know what this is bringing to mind? Um, so South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem came to Hudson and spoke to a bunch of Hudson voters, and we have a video of it somewhere, and somebody in the audience asked, is there any chance Trump loses? And she told this gallery of Hudsonites, only if there is massive voter fraud. So a governor <laughs> of a state is coming to Wisconsin telling people this is the only way Trump loses. So this is bigger than this is, goes across states. And right. it the, lies, the lies, they flow directly. The lies are absolutely essential because they are there as the support for really what they are is a pressure point on Vice President Pence. And it hasn't ended yet to this day, even in today, Wednesday, in that meeting where Assembly Speaker Robin Voss tried to have it both ways, where he tried to play footsie with the, the conspiracy theorists while at the same time saying, you can't do this. I don't see any legal way to do it. He came out of that meeting and told reporters he still believes there was widespread fraud when he knows there was not widespread fraud because it is part of the plan to continue to sow doubt and undermine the integrity of these elections. You know who else? You know who else knows there was fraud? No fraud. All three of these guys. Let's not forget that Johnson, 
on the, what is it? The 14th of November, if my memory serves right, calls his old friend, Mark Becker. Who's Mark Becker? The former chairman oh, of yeah. the Brown County Republicans. That's right. And, and, and Becker writes for the bulwark and he, and he's so mad about the call from Johnson, which goes for a half an hour where Johnson admits he knows there's no fraud. That's November 14th. November 14th. That is right at the beginning of all of this. And yet he keeps saying it and saying Turning it and up saying, the it, volume and saying it and saying it. Wait, he said something to the effect of, correct me, because everybody knows I'm the guy fund, like funding the lawsuit, so I'm going to have a, a, a be biased. Your, your lawyers are not as biased as me, but didn't he say something to the effect of Ron Johnson? He said, I know that Biden won the election, but if I say it publicly, my political career is over. You got it. That's exactly what Mark Becker reported in the bulwark. That is 100% true. Yet, let's not yet, forget. Yet the day before, January 6th, Johnson was saying there was shenanigans in the election. We have to postpone the certification of these, these electoral votes because we have to listen to the Wisconsinites because there were shenanigans, shenanigans everywhere. You got it. And here's the irony of the whole story, at least for me, is who saves the day? The one person who was integral to the conspiracy Mike Pence refuses to act illegally. On January 6th, when confronted with the, and before that, the few days leading up to it, was confronted with the idea of, as President Trump said on the ellipse that day, doing the right thing, Mike. Mike Pence says, nope, we are a government of laws. The rule of law matters. And we're gonna do this the way it actually played out in reality. 60 plus lawsuits, all resolved against Trump. No fraud. Nobody's buying this that are pay actually paying attention. And Pence says, no go. Now we all know what happens, right? There's a, a, a massive violent upsurge. There's all kinds of nasty stuff. And, and uh, we now have Joe Biden as our president and legitimately so. Well, so, they were chanting, hang Mike Pence. I mean, they, they knew exactly what he didn't do. <laughs> right, Sarah. Okay, so, so this, so there's a bunch of reasons why why people are going to think that this lawsuit is going to fail. We don't only got enough time to talk about a couple of them. First of all, we're, we've already talked about how Madison, there's already a lawsuit used up with the 14th Amendment against Madison Cawthorn. Uh, guys, we talked about this in the first segment of why that, that, that ruling was ridiculous. I'm going to pass right on by that because you don't have enough time. What I really think that the listeners want to know, whoever's listening tonight, is that that we know that politicians lie. We all know that politicians <laughs> lie all the time about everything. Why are these lies that are undermining the, 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 the sanctity of our votes, why are these lies somehow illegal and criminal when they've been basically lying to us ever since they got into office? And some Democrat politicians lie too. I mean, listen, let's be yeah. honest. Their mouths are moving. That's how you know. But the, the short answer is that when, a, when, when you use words as an integral part of criminal conduct, and whether that criminal conduct is lying to the FBI, whether it's raising your hand in a courtroom and saying something false when, when you're under oath, it, there are a whole bunch of ways that uh, criminal law makes using words illegal outside the scope of the First Amendment. And one of those ways is if you use words as an integral part of a criminal scheme. And right here, the words of these defendants were not simply lies 
thrown out into the atmosphere to do whatever they were going to do. They were allies with a specific purpose of fomenting, of, of plowing the ground, of making it ready, of, of, of getting the public agitated, getting people ready to pressure Pence and to create an atmosphere in which it was conceivable that something as ridiculous as phony electors who had no right to assert that they were electors, that their, uh, their claims might actually get a hearing. And, and, and it's that whole, the, the, the statements that these three individuals made, the lies they told over and over and over again, knowing, as we talked about Senator Johnson, knowing that they're lies, all to serve this illegal end of subverting the election. All right. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I fully support what we're doing uh, and the timeliness, the time sensitivity of it. But let's let's just ask the question. Why aren't we just going to leave this up to Merrick Garland and Josh Call to do something? We tried. We, we don't have enough time because election law is kind of weird. It's like Goldilocks. You know, the, the bed is too soft. No, it's too hard. The courts will tell you if you come in well in advance of an election that, uh, oh, this is not ripe because we're not close enough to the election yet. We haven't picked the candidates. We haven't. So you have to wait. Okay, fine. I'll wait. You file the lawsuit eight months from the election. And now they say, oh, the Purcell doctrine keeps you from, we can't, we, this might be illegal, but we can't do anything about it because it's too close to the election. We don't want to confuse the voters. We don't want to confuse the voters. And this is a situation. It's a hard call. Um, but uh, but in, this is one of those times when uh, the powers that be, Josh Call, Merrick Garland, uh, they, you know, they may have something planned. They may be busy with other things. I know that uh, Attorney General Garland certainly is uh, with January 6th. But it may well be that uh, that they can't get to it. Well, somebody has to, and that somebody is us. And and God bless you guys for doing it, and 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 Kirk for for taking this on. Because look, the what, whatever the size of the window, the 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 thing that that I think a lot of these folks supporting the insurrection are trying to use to their advantage is the short American attention span, and. I didn't until this past weekend uh, watch the, uh, the the Leonardo DiCaprio movie uh, Don't Look Up, and it is stunning in what it does for showing how if you don't act, uh, people are going to forget all about this. Joe Good, Mark Leitner from Laffy Leitner and Good, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate hey, it, guys. We're we're happy to be on. All right, we'll wrap things up with the show right after this. Make it rain. Make it rain down, Lord. Make it rain. Oh, make it rain. Make it rain. Make it rain down, Lord. Make it rain. Why? Why do I get the feeling Kirk is about to ask people for money based on his song choices? <laughs> Uh, let's make it rain. Make it rain. Before we ask for money and before we express our gratitude, if you're watching the video version of this, first off, my apologies for joining uh, by, by audio this week. The reason you st still see Mark and Joe here is they they could not believe that one of their clients was going to ask for financial support over the air. They want to make sure it actually happens. So they're the witnesses <laughs> here. Uh, 
Sarah, why don't you say thank you to some folks? Yes, thank you, Pat. And before we go, we want to thank our hosts at Devil Radio 92.7, also WAUK 540 AM and the Shaw 101.1 FM. You can use the Devil, Ra- Devil Radio app to listen to our show on demand anytime. And you can find the video version and watch our goofy expressions while we do this show on the Facebook page of the Monaco Brewing Company. And you can find my daily work over at upnorthnewswi.com or search for upnorthnewswi on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. In fact, I'm looking at our story from last December 2nd when Ron Johnson made those comments about how he, he couldn't tell the truth about what he knew, uh, a story that we covered back in uh, in early December. Uh, so, Kirk, you had Make It Rain by Ed Sheeran. So uh, tell, tell us what you'd like folks to do. All right. So... So I never do this on my own radio show uh, that, you know, is sponsored by the Monaco Brewing Company. Uh, but but I really honestly believe that this lawsuit, um, our taxpayers should be uh, should be paying our attorney general or our, or, or, or our attorney general of the United States or attorney general of Wisconsin to be doing this lawsuit. Uh, he's got a stable of lawyers uh, at the at his beck and call that are, you know, that are some of the best of the best that that could be doing this and could be kind of rooting out kind of the nefariousness of this conspiracy. It didn't happen that way. So I got these guys, these guys, you just heard these guys talk for 40 minutes. I mean, these guys are corporate trial lawyers who, who get paid the big bucks to do this. They're doing this. Now, they're not doing it out of the goodness of their own hearts, even though they believe in it passionately. But you know what? I used to manage a rock band. You can't expect rock bands to play benefit concerts without paying them, just like you can't expect lawyers to do work without paying them. And this is honest, good legal work that these guys have done. And so, so it's a lot of money. This is going to last. This might last four months. So I'm going to ask everybody. There's, uh, you know, and I never do this, but I'm going to ask folks who are listening today to open up their wallets because this is a thing that is that. You know, the Morocco Brewing Company is all about the grassroots. Uh, we've already raised $45,000 to pay for this lawsuit, and the average contribution was $50. And, it, and it, 75% of those people are coming from Wisconsin, and some are coming from all over America, and some even are I, actually, yeah, all over America. We got California, we got Texas, we got, we got a lot of people saying, go get them. Here's 10 bucks. They don't even know what the heck's going on in Wisconsin, but they know that something nefarious happened. So, so this is what I'm going to ask. This thing's going to cost like three hundred thousand. It's not. It's not Mark and Joe getting rich. It's their entire firm is working for this. There's like fifteen people at their firm that are do that are doing that are grunting it out and figuring it out, like how to like find the right the right stuff to to beat these guys. So go to our website. This is where you donate. It's MonacoBrewingCompany.com. There's a super pack tab. You click on that tab and you can donate through Act Blue. So I'm going to say that again. It's MonacoBrewingCompany.com. Go to the super pack tab go to donate uh 10 bucks you know a thousand bucks how about twenty thousand bucks for your big wigs in milwaukee how about that but you can do whatever you want to we got to get these guys paid and we got to we got to last through all of the stuff that the republicans are going to do to to hammer to hammer us on this and and i know some of the people that they rub elbows with so while we appreciate anybody that does kick in 10 bucks or 50 bucks i know some of their friends and i know some of them are listening and uh, there, there better be some transactions made tomorrow because we know who you are. Um, <laughs> guys, I, I hope he did all right. I hope you give him a good grade on, on trying to support uh, his own cause here. 
with that, we uh, we have to take off. So thank you, Kirk. Sarah, hope you feel better soon. I hope I feel better enough to use a camera next time for this. And uh, thanks again to Joe Good and Mark Leitner from Laffy Leitner and Good. And thank you for joining us at the cabin. Come on back up north next week. One, two, three.